0: All right,
1: uh, so I guess we're good now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. You're you're muffled every once in a while. You sound crisp, and then you sound muffled, and then you sound crisp. No. I'm no, sure it's fine.
0: It's all good. All right. It's not right. <laughs> all right. Believe what I tell you.
1: I don't even know what's going on. What do we talk about on this thing?
0: Um well it's called Holds Up, so I assume yeah. we like oh, yeah. see if older movies hold up or <laughs> do we still do that?
1: It's uh it's in the it's you know, it's it's there for the taking. It's in the realm of possibility. Yeah, see
0: but... like what commentaries hold up best, I think.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, I do. The, the, the really funny thing is if we want to just lay it all on the table, I rewatch movies all the time. I just do them. I just don't talk about them on here because I'm so compartmentalized my like media consumption. I watch a lot of like podcast commentaries. So I've, um, I watched the movie predator on Saturday night. Mm. I just watched alien three with another different podcast last night. But, uh, yeah, for some reason I just, we'd be inundated with these kind of, things if I talked about them every time and they're not usually coordinated between us. So I don't
0: know. Right. It would like require sending a message. And yeah. Who's got time me to agree. That? Yeah. I can't do it. You know what I did? I um downloaded shutter for myself. Oh, the, the horror movie. Oh yeah. Channel. Um, so I, you know, it's like a free trial for seven days. And after yeah. that, it's like five bucks, you know, I'll probably stick with it because I tend to be drawn to those Obscure titles I haven't found Anything great on there to be Honest I they have like a lot of You know Halloween You know like the big things That you've already seen but then Very obscure Titles that it's just Hard to decide On anything because you're like what is Any of this why would I pick this instead Of this there was this one though um, That I watched was it last night Who knows these three Ten-year-olds are murderous oh. and they because they were all born on my birthday actually <laughs> um and uh saturn was such that they didn't have decent human feeling wow. and yeah i mean luckily it was like 11 years before i was born so maybe oh. saturn wasn't quite the same on my birth year <laughs> who knows i would guess it isn't because saturn isn't on the same year um but it would explain a lot anyway i thought this is ridiculous and then like i got really into it wow and these kids just kept on trying to murder people and i i kind of half rooted for them and kind of half rooted for the people and it was it was an enjoyable thing that i never would have found you know somewhere else so thanks mm. shutter I, can, who can yeah, remember sure. who can remember the title right. but that's that's my that's my halfway um okay
1: i've considered adding shutter i just already subscribed to too many things so you know, at this point it's gotta be it's gotta be a big deal if I'm gonna add another one. But I feel like I would enjoy Shudder at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of a a trailer that was kicking around on Twitter last week called Psycho Gorman. Hmm. If did you see that? It's like a real like throwback kind of genre movie about like these ten year olds who find this murderous psycho alien but they kind they get his they get some kind of amulet or something that controls him and they start using him to to like get revenge on bullies and stuff and that's oh. very interesting
0: Looks like have cool. to check it out
1: so i since our last conversation i've seen three new movies uh yeah
0: streaming I've, I've seen two of them
1: okay all right, so uh, maybe we can dash those out. And then are you ready to talk about top 10 of 2020?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've just okay. got a... Uh, did I tweet my top 10? You may have. Where did done. I put it? Help
1: me. Uh, well. Let
0: me just TWI, okay.
1: Yeah, I'm here. I'm looking at your feed right now. Um, i'm all the way back to october and i don't mm, see it so i, I guess you didn't put it there
0: <laughs> i responded what did i just respond to you
1: maybe i'm looking at your interactions now oh yeah so wait no i don't yeah you did here it is it's a, it's a reply I've got, do you want to know what your top ten are?
0: I, I need can to, tell I need you. to find out. Right. So what, you find my no, tweet
1: let, where, where, where that was an image of my list from Letterbox. So what day did just,
0: you? What day did you post that on?
1: Uh, that was on December eighth.
0: Oh gosh! All right, I'm going to scroll through here.
1: Are you looking at my feed now? Because that's yes. gonna, I, yes. I tweet a lot. You might do better yes. to look at your mentions or your.
0: Yeah, I was trying I to do that, and I'm. What are you saying? (laughs) No,
1: don't look at my tweets. Nobody wants to look back at my tweets. Oh,
0: I got it. I got it now. All right. Weird list for a weird year.
1: Yeah. Mine's already changed a bit since I posted that. Yeah, mine too. And I think I might have replaced the wrong movie, but we could talk about that. Okay. Uh, Should we save that for the end? Yes. All right. Okay, so uh, shall I tell you about the one that you didn't see? We'll get that out of the way. Yes, or do you please. want to see it and talk about it next time?
0: Um, I probably actually will see that, but okay. we don't... I'll
1: give a, I'll give a quick non-spoilery yeah. overview. Uh, and mild recommendation for The Midnight Sky. So this is a George Clooney film, a 2020 drama fantasy sci-fi George Clooney film from him and his producing partner Grant Heslov. And it is based on the book by Lily Brooks Dalton, and it was written by Mark L. Smith. It also stars Felicity Jones, David O'Yellowo and Kaolin uh, Springall, and Kyle Chandler is in there, Tiffany Boone, lots of folks. Uh, it's a quiet, small movie, and a lot of the other actors I listed are in smaller parts and cutaways, because most of this movie consists of George Clooney as a very aged uh astrophysicist who is left behind on an uninhabitable earth uh because of his terminal condition and this is all first three minutes of the movie stuff uh so that he can monitor uh communications that have been lost with a crew of astronauts who do not know that earth has become uninhabitable and it's his job to try and get in touch with them and let them know before they return uh, that's pretty dramatic in and of itself. There are other things that happen. He meets a uh, a young girl who uh, enters into his company in a way that I won't explain. And that's Kaolin uh, Springall as Iris. She's very young, very good uh, child actor. And I'll, I guess I'll just say without, since you're probably going to check it out, it's a very weird movie. It's being trounced by critics. It's not uh, being well-received. But I rather liked it. It's long and not everything works, but it pushed some of my buttons with the, that's uh, beautifully photographed. It's got very kind of dry sci-fi elements without getting over the top or wacky. It, um, But I, it's got some issues too in in how balanced it is and how the story is, is structured and how it doles out information and that kind of stuff. But uh, I think it's definitely worth a watch. I think you might get some out of it.
0: Yeah, it seems like the sort of movie I would watch, and it's a great thing to have on in the background. It sounds like,
1: yeah, right. Yes, I had I wanted to say my I, my go to joke was going to be this is what happens when you build a movie uh, around a quarantine beard, but this was actually filmed before uh, twenty twenty, so mm-hmm. this is not just not just Clooney looking in the mirror at his quarantine beard and saying, "Hey, I should play a uh, curmudgeonly." He does look, he, he looks almost like uh, Mel Gibson looks these days.
0: Yeah, our... he's he looks different. That's yep. for sure. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, he's no Ben Affleck dropping his Dunkin' Donuts. Right, that, no. That's a whole other kind of beautiful.
1: <laughs> Poor Affleck. Every viral uh, Affleck item is just sad.
0: But that one, I mean, people were just thirsting after those photos, let me tell True. you. True, yeah. Um, and we've so in this- there, it
1: humanizes him, <laughs>
0: yes. Um, so this brings up a side topic that okay. I have, which is the pandemic in entertainment. Mm-hmm. That I feel like so far, most of what we've gotten was conceived before 2020, right? Yeah, and as soon as they can be back to work normally, which kind of they They can begin to do that, right? Depending on the production, it seems like you could try to stay distant and and put together something. And nobody's going to want to see it. You know, does anybody want to watch life in pandemic land? What happens to the pandemic stuff that's just incidental because that's what life was in this time? And so, yeah, so someone's kind of wearing masks to the store and that's not the point of the story. Like, I don't want something that reflects on the pandemic, but by the time they start producing again, it'll be like it never happened Right in entertainment. Yeah. When was it ever logged in right. the movies and the TV that this even happened? Yeah.
1: Two extremes of that, I would say, are uh, there. I guess I didn't see it, but there's a low budget thriller that's based around the idea of Zoom meetings. I believe it was either on Hulu or, or Netflix, oh. and it's actually well-reviewed. Some people were like, too soon, too stupid, but uh, some people said it was actually effective, and it didn't directly. I don't think it directly addressed COVID. On the other end of the spectrum is this comedy special on Netflix called Oh, yeah,
0: I watched 20... that.
1: Oh, I watched five minutes of it, and I had to turn it off.
0: You didn't like it? I thought it was kind of funny.
1: Oh, I hated it. I thought it was just too soon, and the tone was offensive. I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way.
0: Death to 2020?
1: Yeah, right. The one that has Kamal Nanjani and is made by the Black Mirror people. I yeah, think. yeah. You
0: didn't like it? I thought no, it was I didn't.
1: Funny. Uh, in the beginning, they were they were doing. Re- First of all, I have a thing <laughs> where I really hate fake testimonial humor. Like sure. when actors are, I hate. It's just so flimsy and it never works. I never buy it. But they were making jokes about the Australian fires and thousands of animals and people dying. Like they were immediately just making bad jokes about things that were still kind of freshly horrible. Anyway, that was my take, but uh, maybe I should have stuck with it.
0: Well, I didn't think that they needed to be characters. I felt like it could have been just as much like a Remember the 90s episode because really all the actors were just being themselves yeah. in you know, and offering commentary. And it, some of it was grim because, of course, the subject matter is dire. But mm-hmm. I thought that they were kind of insightful um, as it went on. in in the way that they were describing like America's politics and the tribalism and how every, how both sides of the political spectrum are pretty much garbage and insufferable. And at the same time, there's a war on, so pick your side, you know, (laughs) like you you can't pretend that you're out of the fray by, by trying to be the center. And I I thought they had some interesting commentary on that.
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm. There's another one on, is it, uh, Amazon, I think. Uh the, yeah. the one with the ladies, the kind like of like a funeral, funeral service. Yeah, yeah, I haven't <laughs> watched that, that
0: one. one.
1: So yeah, I think we'll get. I think we'll get like big dumb Michael. Like, I think Michael Bay is already planning a big action movie based around COVID, which uh, no, yeah,
0: no, <laughs> believe nobody, w- nobody wants that, right? If anything, I'm saying we want to see the people in the movies and the shows living their life in the world we're in now, but just still do the show and the the movie. Right. Have it be incidental. Like, why aren't there any masks in the streaming titles that I'm watching?
1: Right. Yeah, and then it's going to, you know, I mean, it's been such a interminable experience, but it's going to also pass and then it's going to be weird in a year to start, you know, if there's any kind of residual great right. stuff so yeah uh, Hollywood never quite figured out what to do with it
0: oh can I bring up Butt boy just quickly sure yeah so I watched Butt boy just based on the title <laughs> alone right sure and I didn't have high hopes but I want to give it a recommend because okay. I think for its incredibly stupid premise mm-hmm. it did something creative with it and I was thoroughly interested throughout to see what would ultimately happen. And they did not disappoint me. It's wow. it's it's uh, kind of like it sounds. <laughs> like it <Yeah>. sounds. <laughs> Detective Fox loves work and alcohol. The summary tells us. And after going to AA. His sponsor Chip. Becomes the main suspect. In his investigation of a missing kid. But Fox also starts to believe. That people are disappearing up Chip's butt. So very mm-hmm. similar. In. To uh, what was the what was the one with the with the woman who eats stuff? What was that called? Uh, swallow. Swallow. Yes, it's mm-hmm. a very similar premise, where mm-hmm. this guy Chip just is drawn to these small household objects, and he just like wants to put them in his butt, and he does, mm-hmm. and he's incredibly gratified by it, like way too much, mm-hmm. and just bigger and bigger things start to disappear until suddenly people are going missing. And I mean, it's it's so Mm -hmm. ridiculous, but the movie takes it dead seriously and and takes it to its logical conclusion where, yes, there are scenes with people working together to escape his colon. Like this is going on like in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sort Mm of sort of set design. And who does a movie like (laughs) that?
1: I I don't know. Who does a movie
0: like this? I know. And so anyway, if you ever watch it, I would be interested in discussing it with you because I have some, some uh, okay. specifically gay thoughts about it, Okay, but I'll leave that uh, away. But, but boy, everybody,
1: I watch listed it at your recommendation. It's sitting there. Okay. I don't know what it will take to, to push the, to pull the trigger. Push
0: but the yeah. Be, be kind of be careful with your, <laughs> right. with your right. term, with your figures of speech and turns of phrase. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Well, you know, that very interesting and intriguing to uh, to say the least. So I'm sure I'll get there eventually. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, yeah. The only other thing I'd say before moving fully on from midnight sky is just a, just a quick comment about the very strange and uneven directing career of George Clooney. Hmm. Remember, I remember him coming on the scene with, as a director with uh, confessions was his first movie, right? Of a dangerous mind.
0: I don't remember. I remember what "Good Night and Good Luck."
1: Oh yeah, I believe that was the second film. So that's, yeah. I believe that's two pretty pretty acclaimed movies yeah. to kick off with, and then Leatherheads, which was very curious uh, and not very successful movie. I don't know. It's just uh, interesting to me that he keeps trying. Did he direct Suburbicon? Because that was,
0: I couldn't tell you. That was I, I don't know George film. Clooney's. Okay. Directing filmography.
1: Oover. I think we've we've mentioned all of them. Oh, Up in the Air is in there also. That was actually well, a really. No, no. I'm sorry. That's, that's Jason Jason, right? What was I going to say? Oh, Ides of March. Ides of March is right next to it. Yeah, I think we've listed them all. Then. Um, all right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that, but uh, I
0: don't. I I can't comment on that intelligently at all.
1: The interesting thing to me about Suburbicon is that. The Coen brothers have made lesser movies, but I don't think they've ever made a bad movie, including a movie that they didn't write. But they wrote Suburbicon, which is a terrible movie that they didn't direct. And that's an interesting phenomenon. I guess it says something just about their process of actually producing a film that, uh, I don't know, they're good at it? Mm-hmm. All right, good. Moving on. Great. Uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. Let me call it up to do it. So you actually sat through this one or
0: I did.
1: Have you, now I know you're not a superhero movie guy. Did have you seen the first wonder woman? I'm guessing. Yeah,
0: no. I saw it. You did. Okay. Yeah. I saw it and enjoyed it.
1: It's kind of good, right? It's kind yeah. Of
0: fun. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't go into the whole universes and understanding right. really all the connections between characters. I don't get that. I'm the tabula rasa audience member who shows up to get out of the summer heat. Right. And, and to be whisked away because that's the only thing playing. Sure. And this though felt like homework and it was Mm -hmm. worse than homework.
1: Yeah. It's real bad. It's
0: really bad.
1: (laughs) It's, it's, it's like scrunch up your nose. And I felt like I was going in with goodwill. I didn't adore the first one. It was just a good time. I just felt like, especially with all the stuff that DC puts out, the, the overwrought Batman and Superman movies and everything of late. This is their colorful, nostalgic, fun, you know, title. So I had some hopes that it would at least be a diversion. But it was so muddled and weird. The tone was weird. It was long. The ideas in it were alternately befuddling and hilarious. And anyway, uh, so, yeah, I don't even, there's so much going on. And there's things that actually I think should have worked. Weirdly enough, I think the cast is good—Kristen mm-hmm. Wiig and, and yeah. Pedro Pascal. Uh, those characters I think could have been very interesting and entertaining in a movie like this. And so, how to get them this wrong? And again, not like wrong based on the source material. I have no idea. I don't, I'm not a you know aficionado, uh, but just in terms of how to turn this into a fun movie, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, do you want to speak to the plot before I go into my specific thoughts?
1: Sure. So just very, very quickly, uh, the nature of the Wonder Woman franchise is that she comes from this ancient uh, race of um, they are not Amazon women, but some kind of a mm-hmm. ancient myth- mythological culture. And so she can her life spans many generations. So the first movie had her in World War One in no man's land. And now she's in the 1980s. And she encounters the dream stone, which is the MacGuffin of this movie, which is this ancient rock created by gods that can grant people's wishes, but it's kind of a monkey's paw kind of a thing where you get your wish, but then it takes something from you in return. And then this, this silliness, which I thought was, I couldn't believe that that was what the, the, the crux of the whole, you know, story was that so unbelievably cartoony, but I guess that that's appropriate, whatever. Uh yeah, so there's a whole lot of 1980s, haha, look at that, look at this nostalgia stuff. They managed to bring Chris Pine back in a very convoluted way that I won't get into unless you that's one of your things. And then there's Pedro Pascal is a oil guy. I guess there's just famous oil guys, but he's mad that he's not in the magazine of other famous oil guys. So he manages to get his hands on the wish stone and the whole globe spins out of control and Wonder Woman has to save the day. But meanwhile, she's sacrificed her powers uh, for something that I've already mentioned, and they've got to figure it all out. And it's convoluted and long. And Kristen Wig is also somehow a cheetah girl, (laughs) the cheetah in the middle of all that the very very typical uh batman forever kind of uh yes jim carrey or the uma thurman where the even jamie fox in the spider-man movies where it's like a, a milk toast bumbling character who then ends up with superpowers on the evil side and right. i don't know I, I didn't like anything about the movie i mean gal Gadot is great she's winning and I, I i like to watch her but i i didn't like really anything that was going on what's your What's your thing,
0: Dan? All right, so we're gonna walk through this. Oh, okay. okay. So the opening sequence, I felt in a sense was the probably the part I enjoyed the most, even mm-hmm. though I also thought it was stupid.
1: The mall sequence? No, no. The, <laughs> what? I don't know. Oh, no. the, oh, the 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 flat. The yeah, okay.
0: Back on right. the you
1: know, young the other, young, uh, young young
0: Diana. Diana. Yeah. Yes, she's competing in a tournament right but when you're watching this you should be taken away with you know the scale and the excitement and the intrigue and instead i'm sitting here thinking to myself what is with these like reveling crowds people who just spend their whole time at the stadium jumping up and down with their hands in the air hooting and hollering they can't see any of the action. And when you're watching something, not every moment is a moment of enthusiasm, but everybody is. And usually you think that the people who are actually attending in person are just a fraction of the fans who are you know, out in the world, but not here. It seems like the entire population of the island has shown up for the tournament and there's nothing happening on the island. So if this is how small the population is, They've put all of their resources into this Coliseum and these contraptions. Mm-hmm. Haven't they more, th- more to do with their time? Is there any survival that needs to be going on? Is this the best use of their time and resources? You know, and that isn't really what I should be thinking about, sure. you know? And Diana, it, they make like this moralistic, you know, oh, cause she lost her horse and she, you know, cut a corner and Tried to win, but she couldn't win. Oh, Diana, all that matters is the truth. The truth, Diana. I was like, Diana wasn't like trying not to tell the truth. She didn't lie. She lost her horse and through her pluck and, you know, wits was able to still make her way to the finish line. That has something to do with the truth, you know?
1: I think I misunderstood that too, though, because that that was my take, and then I saw somebody else online saying, "Well, no, she lied, she cheated, she took that shortcut," and I was thinking, "Oh, that's not how I read that. I read that no. she just used her, yeah, her her pluckiness to to find a way to get to, and she still it was compromised. She didn't, you know, but yeah, anyway,
0: right." And so then we are pushed into nineteen eighty four, and what year was the last one? Was that like? Turn of the 20th century? When did that take place?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was World War I. So it was 1915 or something.
0: All right. And so I guess Wonder Woman just kind of lives forever and she's in 1984. But why is she in 1984? Besides that, we want to have like some 80s fashion and nostalgia Mm -hmm. that somehow Wonder Woman herself completely sidesteps. What if we were making this movie in 1984? How would they have styled Diana? Not like this. Right. She looks contemporary with like some eighties throwback winks in her fashion choices, but looking twenty twenty one fabulous. You know, right. yes. everybody else looks a fool. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, and she's like trying to find connection. Oh, woe is Wonder Woman. You know, because for the past she hasn't gotten over Chris Pine's death in like the last what ninety hundred years. Mm-hmm. But you know, oh what? Oh, I'll just have some wine out alone. Oh, no, I'm a lone waiter, looking longingly at people passing by. And then a nice person who you meet at work suggests you have lunch sometime. You blow them off. What's wrong with you? You know, it made me hate her. And like, whereas in the first movie, I found her her portrayal to be pretty winning and fresh and interesting. Here, I just eye rolled at her every choice. I did mm-hmm. not like Chris Pine's return. I didn't even recognize him at first. I thought did they mess up his face at first and that's why she didn't recognize him because Well, he was then, a I different guess, actor why was why did that happen?
1: because that's the I, not, I had to research this after the fact to figure out because what he happened
0: did, He was different right
1: because yes because here's the thing he had to come back into existence through another person's body right. So there was another man nearby. But here's my thing with that. Every other wish that's made in the movie on the wish stone or on uh, whatever Max Lord is just manifested out of thin air. Right. But for some reason, this one had to take place convolutedly through another man's body. And I'm thinking, does everyone else look at him and see that man that that the body is and only she can see Chris Pine? Because right. that's a whole other level of okay, weird. Well, that
0: to me was not clearly supplied in the screenplay. <laughs> yeah. right. I was just confused. And actually, that would have been a more interesting twist if that every wish that was made was actually at the direct cost of something else. Right. right. Like you wish for one thing, but that transforms something else for the worse. You know, like, yeah, that would have been maybe interesting. I agree that uh, Kristen Wiig and what's his name? Uh, Pedro. uh to Pascal, Pablo, yeah. Pablo Pedro Pascal yeah yeah. Um, that they are the b- two best parts of the movie I, I felt like uh, breaths of fresh air when they were on I liked them uh, and even Wake's crazy transformation into a mm-hmm. cast member of Cats I <laughs> I enjoyed it I wished it had been a, in a better movie and then right. here now we're going to jump to the end because I fell asleep for some of it and it didn't okay. matter because it didn't I wasn't lost at all because of it At the end, uh, spoiler again, uh, Linda Carter makes, okay, so she makes her two second cameo and then flash right back to the credits to let us know what we've just seen. Right now, immediately. Featuring Linda Carter, and here's what they say, in the role of Asteria, the role, the role, no, like a role is someone with a role to play in the plot, in the drama, a role
1: oh they couldn't even find a place to edit it into the flow of the narrative right they had to put it as a tag at the end
0: oh i loved her hysteria oh (laughs) no no.
1: like she's been doing this a long time right it needed to be
0: uncredited and just like a little thrill for anybody who wanted to see her oh you thought it was gal again (laughs) but it was linda looking you know not a day over 50 you know looking looking fab and she comes in there she's not playing the role of anybody that's ridiculous
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah the funny thing is that this was a big like uh, blockbuster you know one of the one of the tent poles of the Warner Brothers release year and they had they begrudgingly had to put it on HBO Max and it's like sub HBO Max
0: yeah, I mean, I've heard the argument that you just can't get caught up in it that the effects don't whisk you away on the small screen. There might be a little bit to that. And at the same time, you chose the big like opening action sequence to be in like Palisades Mall. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want to imagine. Like that's one of my worst fears is falling off one of those balconies and falling four stories. Like, I don't want to watch you, you know, fly by a Best Buy. What? What's wrong with you? Right. It's like stupid and terrible. And I felt like when it came to the actual details of the plot, it was like very Michael Scarn in way because like things would be more detailed if they were actually happening oh, you are a gemnologist? Ah, uh, yes. Well, I am a this kind of scientist. It is a pleasure to know another scientist. You know, like, really? Right. That's how this happens? Just like, oh, the FBI has just stopped by with some artifacts. Oh, really? <laughs> that, that's how you talk about it? What?
1: Right. Yeah. Very yeah.
0: Oh, and like, th- here's another thing. And when Diana and Kristen Wig are having their little dinner with the Washington Monument out behind them Mm -hmm. the scene opens with Diana like laughing hysterically at something that Wig has said right but the screenplay isn't clever enough to have supplied something amusing for her to laugh at so it needs to begin with the laugh you're like oh it's good to laugh again oh I haven't heard something that funny in years well the audience would have loved (laughs) to, to have participated
1: That's classy, uh, classic shitty screenwriting is to start a scene with wild laughter, unlike any real human ever did, even at the funniest joke. Right. (laughs) It's like
0: clearly the screenplay doesn't care about its own storytelling, because if it did, it would do a little research about how scientists speak to one another or what are the technical terms for what's happening here. We don't need to understand them, but we want to feel like we're seeing something true, even in a superhero film. Yeah
1: so another thing i missed is that you know how he he needed people uh max lord who who basically wishes to himself become the wishing stone for whatever reason so that then he can he everyone else will make their wishes and he will get whatever the kickback is Uh, and take all of their good fortune, whatever. That somehow, I guess, makes sense. But he needs to be touching someone for that process to work. And another line of dialogue that I missed watching it the first time is that he figures out that the particles of the television screen would, uh, to some degree, technically be touching people. So that's how he can just talk to people through every broadcast channel on the planet and then their wishes can flow through him that way. So that works out in case you were worried that that didn't make sense.
0: Well, what they might've done and this would have been amusing would be to like almost make him like a televangelist and like tell people that they should put their palm up to the screen mm-hmm. or something, you know, cause that's like a real thing.
1: You know, in hindsight, doesn't it almost seem like that's how the character was conceived and then changed at the last yeah. minute.
0: And of course it's just like, Oh, Oil.
1: Is there know? a thing from the eighties of, of charismatic oil guys on TV? I don't think no, there's, so. There's there's preachers. These there's Jimmy Swagger. Like that's totally what right. that whole vibe is.
0: And like huh. oil. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Like is that what it's called? The oil. Right. Yes, I work for the oil company. Right. Oil. No, like what is it that you right. do? What is this thing?
1: And he's he, a failed oil man. Failed oil man somehow has like million dollar investors who are getting a little. It's been like 10 years and there's no oil yet, starting to wonder about you. This
0: is my son HW, one
1: of the most baffling villains in a comic book movie and a waste of a cool actor. Yes, anyway. Um, his son just wanted to be with him. Yes. Anyway, so yeah, that uh,
0: drank his milkshake.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, a really um, just a colossal misfire.
0: That's an interesting connection, though. When I think of like the televangelist type alongside the oil tycoon, and there will be blood. How mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's like a a major theme of connection.
1: Right. Well, since Diana's been around through everything, she could have showed up, and there will be blood, and right. she could have said things right.
0: If there had only been one woman in the film,
1: right. yes, right. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, is that it? Are we ready to shut the door on yeah. uh, Wonder Woman eighty four? A shame. I mean, whatever. It was a waste of time.
0: Not a shame, as in a pity. Shame yeah. on them. Yes.
1: Right. Uh. Okay. Soul. Dan.
0: Yeah, well, it's a. Tw- I, I feel I feel inept. I mean, you've introduced everything, but like th- this is more your wheelhouse, but I'll try. So, Soul, 2020, American computer-animated fantasy comedy drama film, produced by Pixar, released by Walt Disney. And here we have the voice talents of Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey at the top of the bill. And Jamie Foxx plays Joe Gardner, who is a band teacher in New York City, and he has his own aspirations to be a jazz pianist. He is very gifted at that, but so far he hasn't gotten his his big break. And his mom wants him to stick with teaching because that is more sure, and it has a little more stability and a future. And uh, he gets an opportunity to be a part of the band gig just for one night that he's always wanted. And he's so excited about it that he falls in a manhole and I don't know, dies or is severely injured enough that his soul leaves his body and is on a conveyor to the great beyond. Now I'll go into my individual thoughts in a minute, but quick plot. He meets 22, a young soul that is waiting to go to Earth and who for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, has not been able to find her spark, her little life path that would enable her to live her life. So the two of them teach each other about life and about meaning. And there's a fanciful uh, other dimension otherworldly universe that the most of the action takes place in, but they're back and forth to earth too in what I thought were amusing ways. And so, uh, Josh, I'll ask you, what do you think of Soul?
1: I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, very excellent, actually. I think it's very well done. Um, I used there, there was a time where I think Pixar was just the most clockwork dependable studio. I think it's been a long time since then. So I'm not just kind of, you know, here for whatever they've got. I've had varying opinions on their recent movies. Um, I really like this director. I really like the other films he's made. He directed uh, Inside Out, and uh, another one that I can't think of right now. Up was the other one that he made. And so I think mm-hmm. his or I think Pete Doctor's films with Pixar are particularly excellent. And there are always ideas that sound too big and too messy, and I'm always worried that they're going to kind of be tedious and and hard to watch and then i'm delighted that they 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 managed to create their own world and be entertaining and vibrant and fun um i don't think it's it's perfect i think if you think about some of the the things that are happening some of the conceits of this movie they don't necessarily add up but i just like what it has to say about existence and about you know our need to uh find a purpose in life according to our ambitions and our plans when and in the meantime we kind of forget to actually live a life and i appreciate that very much as a message uh and i thought that the voice talent was entertaining i thought that there was some very daring visual language mm-hmm. in the movie i really like uh i think it's almost to like miyazaki uh you know studio ghibli level uh, some of the the stuff is so inventive and um, overall, I, yeah, I thought it was very funny. My, my daughter liked it, my nine-year-old liked it, and Shereen and I liked it. So I think it's a success.
0: Yeah, I agree. I liked it too. I felt like maybe there was a little unevenness in the plot trajectory that I didn't always feel like enthralled or <laughs> right with it. But I think that the deeper things that it was trying to say were good. I like the universe that it created, I thought it was creative each place in the other world that they go, their descriptions of it. Um, the only fault maybe, being a little too much explanation um, of what the rules are at each new area. I liked that the art looked different from anything I'd seen um, from Pixar. I liked all the kind of Picasso. We line y. you probably know more what's inspired there. Um, the, it was good. I liked the uh, overall aesthetic of uh, blackness and the, uh, black culture that I mean in one sense it's great to see that front and center and at the same sense um Disney Pixar is using this for the wide audience that they want. You know, mm-hmm. so I've heard arguments for and against uh centering that. Um but what else are they gonna do, you know, when they're when they're trying to tell this story. We've got uh Felicia Rashad um as Fox's mother and Angela Bassett as the jazz musician who he's trying to impress. Um, Questlove as the drummer, who's a former student, and uh, is it Donnell or Donnell Rawlings as Dez, uh, the barber, that I thought that he mm-hmm. had a pretty pretty good scene with, yeah, um, about kind of the balance of what you hoped for and what happened, and how what happened can be, if not the exact same, also something that's meaningful. Um, yeah, o- overall, I I, th- I thought it was it was a success. I enjoyed watching it.
1: Yeah. Uh, David Diggs is in there too. A very small part, but an interesting one. So, uh, he's the guy Paul, the the kind of hater guy from the barbershop.
0: Oh, I didn't okay. even put that uh, together.
1: Yeah. I, th- I thought I recognized his voice, so I looked him up and it was Diggs. Right. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that Pixar is still, um, swinging and still trying and evolving. And I don't yeah, know. I don't know that these will always work but i thought this one worked
0: is tina fey a surprising choice for this role
1: i think so i thought it was interesting how the character outright says i i have an annoying voice and i'm like tina fey doesn't have a lilting voice but i don't think she has an annoying voice Um, i wondered if it was developed for someone else and then she stepped in but i've never i haven't read anything like that
0: yeah it was curious i mean because why is anything anything right Um, But when you think of a a disembodied yet-to-be-born soul, Mm -hmm. really that could be played by any person, any age, any type. Um, Interesting that you would have picked, oh, 50-year-old woman.
1: Right. Apparently she um, contributed to the screenplay, so she wasn't a last-minute. I mean, that doesn't mean she was necessarily going to be in it, but Mm -hmm. Tina Fey uh, wrote portions of the movie.
0: Right. I mean, there's something when I think of like um, Inside Out, Amy Poehler makes a lot of sense for that pixie, high energy, frantic, you know, and just to me, I don't, it's like Tina Fey, Tina Fey was fine, Mm -hmm. but I just feel like they, they might've had a more inspired choice when really it could have gone to
1: anybody. It's also a very strange... I mean, that's, for me, that's the, one of the parts of the movie that you just can't think about too much is 22 as a as a character and an idea. Yeah. This is a pre-soul. This is a person who... This is a, a soul that has not achieved personhood, but has lived in this limbo state for thousands of years, hundreds of years, whatever it is. And he, she, it knows all kinds of references. Like, she has a, a body of knowledge, like a person does. Right. But she doesn't have senses, but she knows what things are. So I thought that to me, like the weird tension between never been never been a person, but has been around the block and is, you know, wizened and bitter was kind of weird. Like you can't really have both of those things at the same time. Right. How could you have
0: been so traumatized not to want to live? Mm -hmm. You know,
1: right. And yeah, but you're still a creature of routine, right? And you like to kind of live in limbo and don't have anybody bother you. It doesn't. I know they need that to get where they want to go with the story, and I think the bigger things work, so it's okay. But it just is weird, yeah.
0: And my only other thought, and this is just sort of existential thought of when he's on the road to the great beyond. Originally, he's like, no, 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 and he's like resisting it, right? And Mm -hmm. he passes a trillion other people who also are there for all sorts of reasons. No one else seems to be resisting it.
1: Yeah. Everyone
0: else is just like, ah, off off to heaven or whatever. Right. And he's trying to get back. And then my question is, was he dead or not?
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like as far as the system is concerned, he was set on his way to the beyond. So he was dead.
0: So I'm saying, but he was like still being cared for in a hospital. He wasn't like in the morgue. Mm-hmm. when they drop back into his body, he's like on life support. Right. So, so as
1: far as people in the mortal world knew, there was a chance he could pull through, but in... Right.
0: And for the third act, what was going on with his body? Yeah. Because the souls were out of there and he was trying to help 22 and all of this right. stuff. And then I guess something that I didn't love is that I didn't love that they sent him back to have another chance. Mm-hmm. I feel like in a way that's that's satisfying but it's not because it was an easy out. It, yeah. it wasn't because something else. It wasn't the cost of anything else. It was just yeah. people saying, "Oh, I'll just you know jumble some numbers," and you can go back because I feel like there's some meaning in life that it's so fragile and it, and that it's mm-hmm. so short, right. and and to have accepted that that was my life and that I didn't get to do everything that I wanted to do, and yet to make peace. And go off into the great beyond. Like to me would have been. A more truthful ending.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They probably felt like I guess in a a family. Blockbuster they couldn't do that. Maybe but.
0: I felt like why not send 22 down. And then like in coming years. You see her. Like deeply enthused. By music and clearly completely. Inspired by him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then it's problematic that. It's voiced by a white woman. Because, right. like, yeah. if you would have had that be like a black child, mm-hmm. I could see that child like living out the dreams that he never did. Because, in a sense, right, you know, you know, you're carried on through the through the people that you've inspired. Yeah,
1: right. That could have then addressed the uh, the topic of, of legacy, right? Which I think is something that, um, yeah, that's an important piece of that whole beyond idea. But yeah yeah there's so many angles, and it's such a huge that's the thing is I'm amazed, given how cosmic and huge these ideas are that they were even able to wrangle it into a story that made some kind of sense and was this entertaining um, that seems like it shouldn't be possible
0: no and it was and it was really good. The only reason why I can even think those suggestions in the first place is because they did all the work to put it before me right you know
1: yeah, yeah, uh yeah. Uh, Dan, I think given how long we've gone, why don't we do top 10 another time? Maybe we can just do like a, a special recording just for that or
0: something. All right. That sounds good.
1: And you have time to think about it and we both have time to tinker with our lists a little more. Uh, do you know if Nomadland is going to be watchable anytime soon? That's I one think, that was... I
0: think no time soon. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me see what I can find. That's Prime.
1: Is it going to be? I, uh, also, had you heard of a movie called The Father? Yes. I just heard of it today. and a uh, major really... buzz for Hopkins. Yeah. In. Yeah. It sounds uh, challenging, but uh, it sounds good.
0: It's, uh, No Bad Land slated to make a theatrical release February 19th. Oh, wow. So streaming we availability there. May 2021.
1: So does that make it a 21 release or is it still a 20?
0: 20... Oh, no, it's, it's. 2020 mm-hmm. because it was like available to watch one time in December mm-hmm. and like all the reviewers and the Academy have seen it and it's likely going to win best picture in April before it's release. Wow.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that'll work out nicely for them uh, financially. Yep. Uh, cool. The other one that's been on my radar just out of morbid curiosity is Promising Young Woman. I hope I think yeah. that's going to be might already be streamable at a premium price i don't know
0: yeah i can't wait to see that people are going nuts yeah um about that movie and i'm interested to see pieces of a woman mm-hmm. with vanessa kirby
1: right i just heard of that one today as well yeah cool 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 there are also uh what's his name he directed 12 years a slave and he directed yeah, McQueen. mcqueen and his series on uh yeah, the series. Hulu, small acts right or is that Amazon Small Axe? I don't know. I think it's Amazon. Uh, I have only seen one of them, and it was. It might I think it might be the oddest one, although I enjoyed it very much, and that was uh, "Lovers Rock." Hmm. But uh, Mangrove is the one that has a whole lot of buzz. Nice. Uh, anyway, so there's some movies to know about, folks. Uh, all right, Dan, I'm going to uh, shut us down at this point, but <laughs> I think we, uh, I think we nailed it. Thank you for listening, everybody. This has been our podcast. We're Dan and Josh. You can follow us both on Twitter and Letterboxd if you're into that sort of thing. The show is at Holds Up Pod on Twitter. I haven't posted on that account in several months. And our music, as always, is by Jonah Rapino. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye.